media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. I'm asking the couples to come on up and you're going to be sharing a mic, so just grab that. I think it's already on. And... Uh... They reminded me when I asked them that they're not professional speakers. And I said, well, good, because I'm not either. <laughs> and so that way you won't outshine anything this morning. But I really appreciate them coming and sharing today. I think it's important for us to, to hear from all different aspects of our, our family. And uh, our, our vision for, we always have a vision verse. If you're new to our church, every year we kind of come up with a vision verse. And this year is Romans 12, 2. And in that verse, it just talks about the transforming power of Christ. And so the last couple of weeks, as we've gone back to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, we've seen these incredible stories of transformation. We talked about this theological word, sanctification, and what that means. And we can get lost in the big, you know, words of theology. But basically, it is just that God continually, through His Spirit, is empowering us to, to become more and more like Christ. The four of them would be the first one to admit that they are not there yet. They would be the first ones to say, we struggle every single day. And yet their willingness to come this morning and share with us their stories of how they came to know Christ and how they, you know, what God is doing in their lives. And, and I, we're going to end kind of by focusing on the, the role of sanctification in marriage, because I think it's really, uh, I, I still believe to this day that uh, in marriage, there's more sanctifying opportunity than any other. <laughs> and I mean that as a, a positive, not as a negative, but it's just, it's going to be one of those sanctifying relationships because there's somebody that we're sharing our life with that just knows us day and night. High points and valleys, and yet God has given us a helpmate to share this story with and uh, to help us. So uh, this morning, I'm going to start off with uh, just asking how long you've been married and how did you find us? And we'll, we'll kind of start over here. This is Jake and Kayla. Hey, everybody. <laughs> um, so we have been married three years. Um, we actually moved over from California, and I, I grew up in a Christian home. She didn't, um, but we're definitely enjoying our first three years. Um, I actually Google searched this church for a very long time. (laughs) And and when you came and I found out where you actually were living at the time, now you bought a house out here recently, but at the time I said, do you know that you passed like 40 or 50 churches (laughs) to come here? And so I was really kind of, you know, impressed by that, that that God led you here. So, and we have certainly uh, uh, been the benefactors of that. Uh, In fact, let me share a story. Uh, there's a young couple, Tristan and Emily, in our church. And they came to me as, as they were married. And uh, we really didn't have other young married couples. We had a lot of young families and, and other demographics. but And they said, no, we've prayed and this is where God wants us to be. And that's a hard demographic for a small church to get. Because usually the larger churches, you kind of go off there, a lot of opportunity. And I was just impressed by their dedication. Within two months, we had four couples. And I'm not saying that that was because of that, but I just think God said, you know, man, I'm going to bless you and I'm not going to leave you there lonely. And these four couples have just uh, become part of Corley and, and our hearts over the last uh, year. Uh, how did y'all find out? How long you been married? And how did you find us? Uh, we've been married for almost five years. And um, we've been here, what did you say, a year and a half almost? Yeah. So... Um, my brother came here, and you were his youth pastor in Swanee. Um, I didn't really know you. 
uh, we came and uh, we were still attending another church, but six months after that, we started coming because we were looking for a new church. And uh, we just, I had actually, kind of like Kayla, had been, had been listening online a little bit. And you still came. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I, I, I liked how you started, almost everyone I listened to, I liked how you started your sermons. You said, we expository preacher. And, um, and that was something I knew that needed to be at the, at the center of and top of the list of what we were, when we were looking for a new church. So. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, I, one of the reasons that I felt God led me to kind of involve y'all this morning, we're going to have, you know, we heard last week from Miss Vicki, we're going to hear from others, uh, different age groups, different backgrounds, but it's because you come from a little bit different backgrounds. Two of you were raised in a Christian home. Uh, to not so much that influence there. So, and I've given you the impossible task of sharing your testimony in two minutes. But, uh, so I, I realize that there's no way. It's like Miss Vicky last week saying, how do I put 61 years into three minutes? Um, but Liz, I'm going to let you go there on the end and just kind of tell us your, your short story, condensed story of, of coming to Christ. Okay. Well, um, Um, well, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my parents are sitting right here, they can attest to that. Um, but we grew up, okay, we grew up, um, just knowing, being taught the word. Um, and when I was about seven or eight years old, I, um, my mom led me to Christ. And so I just remember that very vividly, um, her presenting the gospel to me at that point. Um, and I, that was a decision that I made even that young and knowing exactly what I was doing. Um, and so that was my point of salvation. And then just, there oh, there we are. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and so after that, just a series of the Lord um, revealing the gospel to me, a different um, additional like aspects of the gospel as I grew up, like developmentally and just emotionally, um, maturing and and just living you know being in the world and him just teaching me things after that because at seven (laughs) I wasn't super bad at seven years old (laughs) um and so but even but after that so that I do believe that was like my point of salvation I knew exactly what I was doing um and after that again just the Lord showing me parts of the gospel as I grew up and and him revealing that to me so Wonderful story. Short. <laughs> Taylor, what about yours? Well, I need to add something to hers. Okay. <laughs> um, she was bad. And so bad that when she got in trouble, they took her books away. So ah, that was the punishment. You can't read. <laughs> My punishment was a little different. Um, so I did not grow up in a Christian home. We in and out of church a lot. We were, but uh, I... Uh, I grew up at a early, early on drinking a lot and uh, using drugs, and uh, it's quite different from hers. But um, uh, trying to how to shorten this up. Yeah. Uh, so, 28 years of that, uh, pretty heavily drinking and drug use. Um, I started. My friends started asking me if I wanted to come to church. And uh, I kept like, no, 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 no. Finally, I went to him and said, hey, that that offer still stand. It may have been because me and my brother were saying if we're going to find a good girl, it needs to be in church. But uh, but the Lord was drawing me. 
Man. And he was drawing me because, um, because I was, I was dead, and um, but I noticed something about my friend that uh, he was he wasn't weird. I thought Christians were weird, and he um, he was he stood out because he didn't he didn't talk like I talked. My language was awful. It's like that's that's odd that you don't use foul language. And that just, I don't know why, that always stood out to me. And he never condemned me for doing it. He still pursued me. Anyway, fast forward a little bit. I started going to church, started hearing things that, that was like, well, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. And uh, we, uh, we, got, we got iced in one, <clears throat> iced in one, uh, one weekend. And all we had to watch was the, uh, the Bible series on on uh, whatever whatever channel it came on discovery or something in history and uh, and we I sat there and I watched it by myself drinking and uh, and I watched the first few was Old Testament and they came in and they were just tearing Jesus up and um, and I had been learning about him a little bit and and reading a little bit and uh, and that was it right then and there I. I I got on my knees and I asked the Lord to save me because I knew I was dead. Wow. And there was there was no ever since that moment I, when I woke up I quit drinking that night and I woke up the next day and from that point on my life has never been the same. And and uh, I never have may, maybe a little bit here and there but but for the most part I've have never been alone. I've never felt alone and and he, uh, he, he's with me, and I know that, and, and it's, it's, it's just so crazy, his, the grace and, and mercy that he's had on my life. Yeah. How many times I should be dead. Yeah. And, um, but anyway, um, met her. I wanted to marry her probably the week after I met her. <laughs> she said no. So <laughs> she made me wait eight months. But anyway, that's kind of it. A lot different than hers. Yeah. I love that. I love the contrast of that, and yet the similarity of our God and his amazing grace. Now, again, a lot of times when we hear stories, it's usually the guy that has this horrific story and all that, and you know, and all that. Uh, in your case, you grew up in a Christian home, and so tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll, yeah. we'll let Kayla share. Yeah, so I did grow up in a Christian home, um, probably like a lot of you here, um, but about the age six, my sister uh, scared me. She uh, came back home from uh, Sunday school one day, and she was all worked up about, you know, going to hell if you weren't saved. And so she told me that. She was like, oh, you're going to go to hell if you don't accept God as your uh, Savior and admit that you're a sinner. So I go to my mom um, at six years old sometime in the evening, and uh, she was um, very open about it. You know, I asked her questions. I was asking, like, okay, who is God? And she walked me through the very simple prayer that a lot of you guys have done. And um, that's when I kind of started my relationship with Christ, I'd say. Um, and then the next 10 years or so, that was really one of the only things that we could rely on as a family. Uh, we were moving a lot. We moved probably 20 times within 10 years, wow. somewhere around there. Um, and so by the age of, I think it was 14, um, I had the opportunity to be baptized um, in the Sacramento River. And so I took that opportunity with another friend of mine. That was really cool. Um, 
And then a little later on, met my wife in a small group. And then we ended up moving out here. Yeah. That's kind of summarizes it. So the story is true that to find a good girl, you go to church. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. like that. I, I like that. that. Kayla, what about your story? Um, pretty cool, actually, because mine is very similar to Taylor's. Didn't really realize that. Um, but I had a really great childhood in spite of having non-Christian parents. But uh, when I was in sixth grade, my mom decided that she didn't love my dad anymore and um, pretty much stopped being a mom at that point. Um, wasn't home a lot, and I kind of stepped up as the oldest of four to kind of help take care of my siblings with my dad. And um, there's just a lot of brokenness um, that happened over the next few years, and um, my mom ended up coming back but still wasn't taking care of us, and my siblings didn't want me to take care of them anymore because they just wanted to do whatever and have free range. Um, so I just felt very rejected and angry and just couldn't control kind of the emotions and the brokenness inside me. So I became very depressed and secluded, and that was pretty much my life for the next three years um, until my freshman year. I had a friend who was different than all the other Christians. She actually just moved from Tennessee, um, and she started talking to me about God, and if you want to go to heaven, you have to have a relationship with God, and I had no idea what that meant. Um, but she eventually invited me to this concert at her church. And I was like, oh, I like concerts. You know, I'll go. Not realizing that had anything to do with church, which is dumb, but apparently (laughs) I just didn't realize it um, because I hated the church at that point. I just didn't like Christians. And so I go to this um, service. And if you guys know Lincoln Brewster, it was his concert. So there's, you know, a big band and big auditorium full of people, everyone singing. There's lyrics on the screen. I have no idea what's going on, but... um, about halfway through, they showed a video of the gospel, like a five-minute clip. And it was the first time I had ever heard or seen the gospel. And, um, you know, you see him loving and serving people and healing people and just that love. I just, I never knew how good he was. And so um, the next thing you see him, you know, be persecuted and put on the cross. And as he took that final breath, I think just everything in me said that he died for you. And, uh, yeah. And, um, so I was like, we're, you know, seeing everyone worship, but I just was so filled with joy. And I knew the only way to have that joy was to be with him. So I go home and I get this old Bible that happened to me in my closet from like third grade and, um, start reading from Genesis 1. And, um, I say, God, if you can take away this depression, if you can beat this, I'll give my life to you. And over the next six months, he just walked with me every day. And, um, it'll be 10 years next week. Wow, what an incredible story. I know it's one of those things that when we share our story, some seem, okay, that's kind of bland. I was raised in a Christian home. What a blessing to be raised in a Christian home. And part of that blessing is that you didn't have some of the torment that comes with, you know, the lack of that. At the same time, I know that Carly, you know, would say, oh, I'm, I was raised in a Christian home, Christian family, and she's kind of never knew the difference. And what a blessing there is in that. Because when we begin to see our sinfulness, we begin to see that we all have equal need for Christ. Whether we had a life that was disparaging, do we have a life that's just filled with blessing and a Christian family? We begin to realize that what we have in common is that we were sinners and that we needed the work of Christ in our life. And so Christ saved y'all. And that started a whole new element then. That's really kind of our focus, that Romans 12, 2, that God begins to sanctify you. 
And so can, can you think of a way, part of that sanctification, this renewing, transforming of our mind, remember we've been talking about how that happens in the mind, and it's not that it doesn't affect the heart, but it truly is, God begins to change our way of thinking. Can you think of a way that God has, I mean, I, I know there's probably a thousand ways, but one that just stands out that, man, this is how I just think differently today. I didn't think this way before, but God has transformed my way of processing this element. Not that you've mastered this in your life, but just that you think differently. Would there be an example that y'all can think of? Either one? Well, he God changed instantly. I always tell people I kind of had the uh, uh, Saul to Paul kind of conversion. And, and uh, he instantly changed my desires. And literally the next day, it's so crazy, the things I thought that were okay and good were not good. I saw that. I saw my sin. I saw how wrong those things were. Um, and yet probably people had told you that. I mean, some people had told you that for years and years, and yet you never heard them, but now... Yeah, well, like, like for example, one, the pornography. Um, thinking that that's okay because that's just what guys do. That's how I grew up. And drinking beer or something, that's just what guys do. You're a man if you do those things, and it's better than going around doing it with, with whatever. And it's like, no. God said, no, no. So, so one of the biggest things that that changed uh, right off, that I noticed right off the bat, first thing that comes to mind is is um, I was just treating women as objects, and that's. That's not what God wants. So, yeah. I love that. Just that, that, you know, again, a cultural kind of setting, and then all of a sudden a biblical, a truly, you know, from, from yeah. the very Spirit of God. Yeah. This, one of the things that I guess, Chris, you know, that a lot of people say about Christianity and that we hear about testimony stories is that we kind of deal with Christianity sometimes as a one and done. I gave my life to Christ. I said this prayer, and I, I'm going to heaven now. And, and really when we look biblically, it's not one and done. Yes, justification happens instantly. Uh, you know, we are forever Christ when we truly believe in the work that is done. And yet when we look, it's not this one and done, but it, it's actually the beginning of now living with Christ. So growing up in a Christian home, always having that influence, being homeschooled and, and those kind of things, what is a, maybe one of the more dramatic ways that, that Christ has changed your way of thinking, even though you are surrounded by a lot of, if you want to say, biblical content and influence and all that? Yeah, um, I think for me personally, and my answers will come back to the same things because <laughs> there's a common theme in my life of my like sins that I really struggle with, but um, dramatic, but over time still um, is the Lord just showing me it from the point of salvation, like our life not being our own anymore. Um, and that's pretty clear in the gospel, I think. But at the same time, in our culture, in America, whether you're in a Christian family or not, it's it's just a matter of independence. And, like, that's what, like, that's our, our thing here in America is our independence. And so... Um, I really took that to heart <laughs> um, and that, you know, carry that even into marriage, which is a later question. But um, I don't know. I think that's just something that's been ongoing for me and like a, a slow transformation of like my life is not my own. 
um, and whether that means laying down my desires or my dreams or um, you know what that's really encompassing of a lot of things but um, that's very different than what the world teaches yeah. you know you live for yourself you you do you you know these things that we hear um, especially on social media and it's like no like you do what God wants you to do like yeah. you do what he's called you to do you know you our, our life is um, you know from that point of salvation on our purpose is to, is to worship the Lord and glorify the Lord in everything that we do and that can't that doesn't stop and start at salvation it starts yeah. at salvation it just keeps going and so that's what I would say. Is that's a fantastic God. description of the way we just fundamentally and, and foundationally begin to think differently. Because, again, I'm sure everybody here can relate to, I kind of want to do it my way. I want my own freedom. And so uh, what a great thing. Uh, what about y'all? What is, what is something in your mind that just comes to mind when you start thinking about transformation and, and God making you more and more like Christ as you, as you try to follow him? Uh, what is something that stands out in your mind as an example of a different way of thinking that he's presented to you or the gospel has, the Bible has? Yeah, for, for me, I don't know about for everybody else, probably. Um, it's more of like a, a worldly view versus uh, serving Christ and serving other people, which is really what he calls us to do. Um, so even like back in like high school, even college, like you're really pursuing, the world tells us pursue a high career, high education, a lot of money. Um, and I just, that's never been a driving force for me or for Kayla. Um, it's just more about serving his people and doing the best to glorify God. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Because that natural instinct to serve self came with us with our first breath. Yeah. I mean, we were born into that. Nobody had to teach us that. We didn't have to teach ourselves how to be selfish. It was part of our nature. And so for God to begin to give us the nature of Christ, I came not to be served, but to serve, yeah. is, is the transforming. And I'm sure it's in uh, day by day by day. Right. You know, it's not perfect. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Caleb, what about you? You know, again, with more of a dramatic story of coming from this lack of the gospel in your early years and now coming to know Christ and, and living in, you know, this, this life that wants to model yourself after him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just me, a lot of hope, you know, not worrying as much, trusting that he has you and that he's going to take care of you and just hope for, you know, eternity that we have this life on Christ and there's sufferings and there's hardships, but that at the end of the day, we're going to have eternity with him. I think that really helps, you know, carry us through life. For those people that, that, let's say, that do come from a non-Christian background, uh, what encouragement would you give them today if they're saying, okay, I wasn't raised in the church, I wasn't, you know, this is all weird to me, like you said, you thought it was a concert, but you had no idea that it would be a Christian concert, which really is weird, you know, (laughs) if this can be at the church. Uh, And and so it's, but one of those things, all of a sudden you you start thinking differently and you got exposed to it. Uh, with both of you that did not grow up in a Christian setting like that, what encouragement would you give? It doesn't have to be profound or anything like that, but just what encouragement would you give to somebody that says, you know, I just don't relate to the church and the things that go on in church? I know that's kind of an abstract kind of question, but is there anything that just comes to your mind about something that they should center on or something they can focus on? Uh, knowing that every church does church a little bit different. Well, what's the answer there? So like a, a me talking to a, a non-Christian? Or yeah, and so, you know, I don't come from a Christian background. But what hope, what would you say for them to center their attention and their focus? Um, one thing I think of is is is, um, is where they're getting their joy. Like uh, 
for me, before I was a Christian, I would try and I knew I had, I didn't know at the time, but now looking back, I know that I was just trying to fill this this void, this something that I've, I've got too many tattoos now because I was trying to change something that would make me happy, made me happy for a time. Um, so I'm constantly pursuing something to give me joy when I didn't find out until until the day I was saved that the joy I was searching for, the everlasting joy is in Christ and it's in Him alone. And it's not in anything I can buy, anything on this earth. It's not even in my wife, even though she's really great. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I would say to, to somebody that, and I have said this to people, whether right or wrong, that, um, that you'll never be truly satisfied the way that you will be with an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You'll never be eternally satisfied. You'll always be searching for the next thing. And for me, it was, whether it was tattoos, changing my body, uh, I know it doesn't look like it, but uh, steroids or whatever, whatever, anything to change to make somebody like me, me to fit in or or drinking or or anything to change. Um, uh, But but it was all empty. Yeah. Until I began a, a relationship with with Jesus, and I don't know, um, yeah. I, I think it's one of those things that we really get confused on the the um, shelf life of happiness, and that is very different from joy. Joy with Christ is eternal, and it, it comes, and it just doesn't mean that we always have good times. But uh, as we do things out there, you know, you get a new car. It does bring a little bit of happiness to you, but the shelf life of that is really, really short. And so you begin to understand those things as God reveals more and more of his spirit to you. Um, marriage. You've been married three years now. Um, do you believe that sanctification takes place in the marriage relationship? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How does that, you know, when, when you think about marriage, I'll give you part of the, the question and then the, the last part of the question. Um, how does it help you in having a helpmate uh, beside you in this whole wanting to be more like Christ, growing in maturity of him more and more? How has that uh, kind of worked itself out in, in your relationship? So I think a big thing is you have someone every day that you can love and share the gospel with. You have, you know, someone that you can work on, you know, loving and serving better because um, if you're outside of that, you don't always have that but it's day in day out you have someone that you um get to help support and encourage and grow closer to god with and i think that's makes it easier yeah. hey, and there have been times there that you know again her accountability because you're in this relationship of this uh, commitment and this covenant of of marriage that uh, you know because paul says that, that when we see marriage it's a reflection of the gospel mm-hmm. and not the gospel reflection of marriage. He says, you know, marriage is actually a reflection of something that I established a long time ago. When you begin to see that in your life, what hope does that give you? I mean, when, because I'm sure that in these three years, you've had your up times, but you've had your down times. How does that help you in a, like a down time to know that you have this one beside you that uh, is imperfect, is, is on the same challenge that you are, but at least you have this covenant together that okay we're, we're going to try how do, how do you cheer one another up or how do you how do we do it no yeah yeah uh, 
Well, I think typically we we do try to encourage each other. Like if son of a, one of us is in like a slump with reading or praying or something, it's something that we can go to each other and be like, hey, you should really be reading more. You should really be praying more. Yeah. Um, and just kind of coming over each other. Um, Kayla's actually had some health issues lately. And so we've definitely come together as a couple first, but then also as family and friends yeah. praying over. And that's definitely encouraging that we can always have that between each other. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. Now, Liz, when we look at your story, both your stories kind of dramatic ends as far as where you came from. Uh, in one way, when we look at now as a married couple, how this transformation and sanctification happens in marriage. In one way, we would say, okay, you're going to be the leader there because you have all this experience. Uh, and yet... We, we see biblically that, that God has called us into this partnership. Uh, how do you keep that when you have different backgrounds like that? How do you not become the parent, the spiritual parent to the spiritual child? How do you do that as a couple, true partners in this walk of grace? Yeah, um, that's a hard question. <laughs> and, and I realize I didn't give you that on the sheets that I prepared for you. So I'm sorry that that's more impromptu. No, no, <laughs> No, I think that um, remembering that, like, when Taylor got saved, like, okay, yeah, I got saved years and years before Taylor did, but the minute he got saved, like, he was a new creation in Christ. And so he has um, wisdom and insight from the Lord and the Holy Spirit every day convicting him that people way older than him don't have. So it's it's the spirit in him. It's that conviction in him that um, makes him the leader of our household and not like how how long he's been a Christian. Um, I love and, that. And he is so passionate in his faith and, and just the grace that's been showed on his life, um, which we all have, but he just has a different perspective because of his background that um, it's way easier for me to get lazy <laughs> in my relationship at times than I think it is for him. Um, just because he has this constant, more fresh reminder of like where he's come from. And so it's really not hard. It's probably harder for him than it is for me, for me to to look to him as the leader, than him to feel like a leader. Yeah. And so um, just for me to constantly like encourage um, his identity in Christ and knowing that like you're, like he's the leader because that's how like where the Lord has placed him and he has as much wisdom as I do because he has the same spirit that I do. Amen. Amen. And the Bible actually speaks of that, doesn't it? <laughs> well, guys, y'all have been so generous of your time. I, I know that this is uncomfortable for you in the sense that you, you know, a microphone and all that, but you have truly, truly blessed us today. And truly just spoken about the reality of this thing. Not saying that, hey, we have achieved it and we are there. But in this struggle, we are counting on the the work of Christ to continue that work in our lives. And I just appreciate y'all sharing this morning. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing a song uh, just of uh, what we always call our reflection song. So we can reflect upon this truth that God has challenged us with that, uh, that it's not one and done. You don't get your ticket to heaven and then, okay, now I can just do whatever I want to for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But that it is the beginning of this eternal process that will take, uh, you know, that the change comes now. And then until we're glorified, until we are with Christ, uh, then we'll be finished and complete. But until then, uh, man, we need our wives. If, if, if God has blessed us uh, with a spouse, we need our husbands. If, if he's blessed us with that, he's blessed with the church family and others around us to encourage us. And so I pray that that's what you hear this morning 
is this the, this need for Christ and how God takes people from all these different backgrounds and brings them together so that we can be the body of Christ, encouraging one another. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for these couples. And Father, I thank you for what you've done in their lives. And Father, we've tried to condense down in 30 minutes four incredible stories of your grace and your work. And Father, there is so much that we could say. And Father, there is so much that they would want to say about how incredible you are in their lives. But Father, this morning we just want to go back to your word. We want to go back to your truth, Father. That the Christian life isn't just this one and done thing. We get our ticket to heaven and then we do whatever we want. But no, Father, it is, as Kayla said, this calling in our life. As each of the four have reflected, Father, that forever our lives are changed and now challenged with this call to love you, to serve you, to think like you, to act like you, to, to serve others. And so, Father, we're in that process and we pray that your spirit would continue to empower us. Your word would instruct us. And Father, that, uh, that we would just be able to say that truly we think differently. We act differently. We are different because of the work of Christ and the work of your spirit in our lives. Bless us, Father. Challenge us with what we've heard this morning as we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.